Welcome to Conservation Conversations, the podcast where we discuss emerging technologies, global trends, and the future of biodiversity conservation. I'm your host, Sean O'Brien, President and CEO of NatureServe, where we leverage science and technology to protect endangered species and ecosystems around the world. Welcome to this month's issue of Conservation Conversations with me, Sean O'Brien. I'm here this week with Thomas Brooks, the head of the IUCN's Science Knowledge Unit, where he is responsible for the scientific underpinning of the International Union for the Conservation of Nature's knowledge products and helping to strengthen the culture of science across the union. Uh, before joining IUCN in 2003, Tom was actually the chief scientist here at NatureServe. So this is sort of a little bit of a homecoming and we're excited about that. Uh, Tom is an ornithologist by training with a BA in geography and a PhD in ecology and evolutionary biology. And he's been working with IUCN for a long time. In fact, before he was an employee there and he serves on the steering committee for the Species Survival Commission and the Red List Committee. And if you need anything to read, uh, you can pick any one of the 288 scientific and popular articles that Tom is uh, author or co-author on and uh, get started in learning about conservation. So, Tom, thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. And uh, everybody here in NatureServe is super excited that you're on the show because uh, everybody misses having you uh, here on our staff. But we'll uh, we'll let that go for now. And uh, I, what I really wanted to ask you about, because you've been involved in this business for a long time, and um, you've done a lot of work at uh, at IUCN. But you also were chief scientist here at NatureServe. And I was wondering if there's any accomplishments from your time at NatureServe that you're especially proud of. Sure. Yes. Uh, so I was uh, I was lucky enough to to serve as chief uh, chief scientist at Na NatureServe from. 2010 to 2012, um, and I think um, I think I'd highlight um, I'd highlight two accomplishments uh, from my from my time time with with you with NatureServe, which uh, stand out in particular. Um, first, um, working with Bruce Young, NatureServe uh, chief zoologist, uh, we were we were successful in winning a grant from the. U.S. National Science Foundation's uh, Dimensions of Biodiversity program, to uh, with the objective of completing the IUCN Red List assessments for all Western Hemisphere reptile species. So, so, so about four thousand species, um, and to analyze the data resulting from that. And that work, even though the award was uh, was 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 eight years ago now, um, the work is 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 still very much current. Um, is is in fact just recently been uh, had the final uh, uh, I's dotted and T's crossed. Um, be recently being completed and will be published uh, later this later this year. Um, one other one other key success I think from 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 my time at NatureServe. Was that we were um, we were we were successful in in attracting funding from the MacArthur Foundation um, to develop a set of of dashboards to support um, to support nations in tracking biodiversity indicators towards international commitments for nature, um, and this is also work that um, keeping in touch with with NatureServe. I I understand that NatureServe is. Is still very much active in, and is in fact now playing um, playing very much a lead role within the within the Global Biodiversity Indicators Partnership, 
um, in building from that um, that initial dashboard work to develop a, uh, what's being called a target tracker system uh, for for the 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 emerging uh, new post uh, twenty twenty global global biodiversity framework. So two 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 areas of uh, two areas of history there, both of which um, have um, have echoes through to the present day. Well, I'd like to point out to the listeners that we did not collude on those answers, um, and those are great from our perspective, because you're right, the global reptile assessment is gonna be published later this year and we're planning to do a conservation conversation about that. Uh, so we're really excited about that. That's really important work. And the um, indicators, the target tracker information is also a very active program for us. And you're right, it's really um, an international footprint for NatureServe that really has global impact. And we're really excited about how that's all gonna fit in. And uh, it's relevant, I think, to some of the things we're gonna be talking about a little bit later in the show with the uh, the World Conservation Congress. So this is it's great. So yeah, we're, thank you for getting those going for us. <laughs> um, so another thing that I think is an important part of your career, obviously, cause you take a lot of time to communicate about the work that you do. Otherwise you wouldn't have been an author or co-author on 288 different articles um, is edu educating people about conservation. And, um, you know, I'm, so that's an important part of the role, I think, in terms of getting buy-in and getting people interested in this. And so somebody probably inspired you and you're hoping to inspire other people. So I'm curious about your inspiration. Who, who inspired you to get involved in conservation and to do the work you do? Thanks. Uh, thanks for the kind words there. Um, let's see. I'll try to I'll try to roll back the roll back the clock, roll back the years to um, to highlight a, a, a few um, a few key people or key formative events uh, inspired me through my through my career. I guess first, um, as with with anybody, my my parents' role was was fundamental, um, nurturing a, a a love of nature in me as a as a child, uh, getting me. Getting me out birding, getting me out uh, exploring the, the the woods and hills and and beaches of of Sussex in in the southern southern UK where I grew up. Then um, then then maybe fasting fasting forward a bit. Um, I was a, I was an undergraduate student in the University of Cambridge, um, and my time in in Cambridge was was really lucky enough to coincide uh, with a, a moment in history uh, through the through the early nineties, which was the the very first um, comprehensive application of of the IUCN Red List, uh, uh, um, which we'll talk uh, talk some more about. I think. With that work uh, being led by Nigel Collar um, from what is now um, now BirdLife International, um, who served as a an, an amazing uh, inspiration uh, for myself and um, and for a wonderful a wonderful set of peers that I, I was lucky enough to go through go through university with. Then as a a PhD student in the University of Tennessee, I should also highlight the role of my PhD supervisor um, Stuart Pym who taught me an enormous amount about, about conservation science, um, e even before conservation science was, was, was really a discipline in its own right, um, and how that can, crucially, how that can and, and should uh, interface with, with conservation policy and conservation practice. Yeah, I think Stuart's had a pretty broad influence on a lot of people, actually, over time. Um, so you mentioned... Um, 
IUC in there in your answer, and we talked about it earlier, and of course, that's where you work. Uh, for listeners who aren't as enmeshed in the in the business as you and I are, and we were talking earlier about the hazards of acronyms, can you explain what the IUCN is and what does it mean to be a member and just sort of help us understand what, what we're talking about when we say that? Absolutely. So, so, so IUCN, uh, four letters, International Union for Conservation of Nature. Each of those four words is fundamental. Uh, IUCN is indeed international. It brings together the world's conservation community. Um, hence the union there for bringing together, um, and then conservation of nature as the as the shared the shared vision, the shared theme. So IUCN as a as a union seeks to share 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 data, um, information, knowledge, um, and influence on policy and practice across the membership, um, the union membership, to advance a, a, a shared vision from across uh, across the union, a vision of of a just world which values and conserves nature. So what does, what does that actually mean to be a member of the, the, the International Union for Con Conservation of Nature? Um, IUCN's members are institutions. So we're talking about actors which are, which are, which are at an organizational level. Um, and um, IUCN's membership there encompasses what we could call um, two, two houses, um, a government house and a civil society house. The government house brings together more than, more than 200 um, states and government agencies, um, and the civil society house um, brings together more than 1,000 civil society organizations. And crucially, the votes and the voices and the, the, the weight of governance of those two houses um, is exactly equal. So the combined um, uh, voice of civil society organizations has exactly the same, the same weight, sits exactly alongside that of governments. It's a, a very unusual kind of, kind of forum. And uh, um, maybe a, maybe a, a, a product of the of the, the time when IUCN was established in, in immediately after the Second World War, 19, 1948. Um, specifically, um, digging into those those two houses, maybe a tiny bit more. Um, civil society means um, means several things. It means international NGOs, international non governmental organisations. Like NatureServe, of course. NatureServe Nature exactly. has been a, been a, been a, a member of IUCN uh, for for very many years. Um, um, it means national non governmental organisations, um, um, and that um, that that category makes up the largest uh, uh, number of um, number of of IUCN members numerically. Um, so there are nearly a hundred national non-governmental organization members of IUCN from, from the USA alone, uh, for example. Um, and then it also means um, indigenous peoples organizations, which is a, an important and, and really quite new and recent development. Um, IUCN's indigenous um, uh, peoples organization membership category is, is, is new from, from, from 2016. It was introduced uh, um, um, in, um, in 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 the World Conservation Congress in 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 Hawaii in 2016, um, and um, and already there are now 23 
um, Indigenous Peoples Organization members of IUCN, including including uh, three from 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 the USA, from from Hawaii. Um, maybe to um, switch over to say a word about the government um, uh, house of of IUCN um, government um, uh, membership of of the union includes both both states in their own right. So the USA and Mexico and Canada, uh, for example, are IUCN state members at the level of the entire country. Um, but it also encompasses government agency members. Hmm. So that, for example, within the within the United States, um, um, NOAA and USAID and the Forest Service and Fish and Wildlife Service, National Park Service. Um, Bureau of Ocean Energy Management are all IUCN members themselves, in addition to the in addition to the to the US as a at a state level, at a government level. Um, and finally, maybe maybe important to to highlight here, um, next month, IUCN members will debate um, and consider approval um, of a new government membership category um, for um, subnational government. Um, organizations um, like states or provinces or indeed even cities. Interesting. Yeah. So that's going to be a, a, a key a key area of debate at the the, the World Con- Conservation Congress coming up uh, coming up uh, next month. Right. So I want to talk about the the unions Congress here in a few minutes, but I wanted to check first. So one of the things that IUCN is probably best known for is the red list. Um, the union does many other things, but that's the one that I think uh, is most commonly known. What is Red List? What does it mean to be Red Listed? And um, we're also uh, talking about green listing now, aren't we? Sure. So, so, so as you say, um, the IUCN Red List is is I think it's fair to say the best known and. Um, most deeply rooted um, product and process of, of, of IUCN, dating back to the early, early 1960s. Um, and crucially, um, the, the, the process of red listing is the process of assessing the risk of species extinction. Um, to date, um, the, the, the red list has um, assessed extinction risk for more than 130,000 species around the world. Um, um, maybe 30,000 of those um, already have, have um, multiple assessments, repeat assessments um, of their extinction risk to enable um, understanding of change over time. Um, and in total, um, about a quarter of those um, 130,000 or th- so species um, have been assessed as as threatened with a high risk of extinction um, in the medium term in the medium term future. The resulting knowledge is is fundamental for guiding decisions. It doesn't determine decisions. It doesn't mean if a species is threatened, then a given action has to happen. But rather, it's it's to to support informing and guiding decisions towards sustainability. Um, obviously, that's very much the case in conservation programs themselves, in implementation of, of conservation actions, mm-hmm. um, but also um, increasingly important in guiding decisions in the in, across society as a whole. So guiding decisions in the private sector, guiding decisions uh, 
by financial institutions, um, um, lending institutions and so on, um, guiding decision-making by, by um, regional governments, local communities, indigenous peoples, such that decisions can be made, actions carried out in ways um, that help to reduce the risk of species extinction. Right. And so interestingly, of course, NatureServe also does ranking of species. Um, we participate in red listing and we're a red list partner, uh, but we also do a ranking system that is not just global like the IUCN red list, but at the national level and at subnational levels. Um, and that's what we call our, our G ranks and S ranks and all. Uh, and so we have a very common sort of set of processes there. Um, and of course, one of the things that we talk about is, you know, something gets on the endangered species list in the United States and actions are taken to try and recover it. And then sometimes something comes off of the um, off of the endangered species list, like uh, bald eagles, for example. And so um, that's a that's a process that's happening with red listing at, at this time. Is that right? Yeah, so let's see a couple of points uh, to, to build from there. So Nature Serve's role um, has has been, is, and continues to be an absolutely fundamental one in 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 red listing uh, over the decades. Um, the G the G ranking system implemented um, um, across the Nature Serve network is in effect the 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 manifestation of extinction risk um, assessment within the North American context. And it's very much designed to be interoperable, to interlock with uh, with 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 the IUCN Red List. Um, that's um, that's not just been fundamental for North America, but I'd actually say also, um, in fact, across the entire of the Western Hemisphere, um, NatureServe um, has played absolutely central roles in in advancing red listing um, Americas wide. Um, for example, for amphibians uh, with the with the Global Amphibian Assessment. And then we started this exchange, uh, touching on the the new work on on assessment of reptile extinction risk. Um, and in 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 that light, it's it's fantastic um, to have uh, have Nature Serve as one of the I think it's twelve now uh, red list red list partner organisations uh, work working together um, uh, to 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 deliver the 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 red list uh, red list program. One other point here, you you mentioned their um, uh, work on green listing, and this uh, this is some innovation from over the last uh, last few years um, to develop uh, mechanisms to better document um, and ultimately better incentivize um, conservation impact. So to understand first of all what would have happened um, to um, species status and extinction risk in the absence of conservation actions in the past. Um, and then looking forward to understand what kind of recovery could be targeted across species. And so a green status of uh, species metric has recently been been introduced within the within the overall uh, framework of the, the, the Red List program. Which is great. Um, so one of the things that's coming up here very, very soon is the the union is hosting the World Conservation Congress in France. Uh, it was postponed for a year. Uh, because of the global pandemic, of course. And uh, I just wanted to understand what, what's the purpose of the Congress other than debating uh, subnational units being uh, having a governance role in the in the union. Uh, what are some of the, the, the goals and the desires for outcomes from the from the union's Congress? 
Yes, indeed. So, so, so very much, uh, very much uh, all-consuming as 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 far as I, <laughs> IUCN goes at the moment. You're expecting um, three thousand, four thousand people in person, I believe. We'll see, and uh, very likely many, many more on on online at a point that I'll come back to in a mm. second. Um, so, the the IUCN World Conservation Congress um, uh, serves a double function. Um, it serves as a as a as a meeting place of the of the world's conservation community. That's 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 called the forum, um, an opportunity. I, I talked earlier about the importance of sharing, of exchange of information and uh, influence on policy and practice, um, and the opportunity to meet to interact uh, both in person and electronically is a key part of that. Um, the, the 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 World Conservation Congress's forum. Um, and then, in addition, um, as um, as we we touched on there on the the question of subnational governments, um, the um, IUCN World Conservation Congress also provides the um, the highest governance authority of of IUCN as 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 a members assembly, the coming together of the IUCN membership to make a series of a series of key key decisions. So as we've as we as we touched on the 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 World Conservation Congress is is coming up fast it will be held in um September the the 3rd through the 11th uh, in 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 Marseille in France um and um globally in the virtual arena um and obviously um as you mentioned um we've seen massive um, massive uh, impacts massive massive changes wrought by the the circumstances of the terrible COVID nineteen pandemic, um, including um, the delay um, of um, of the Congress from from June twenty twenty to uh, September twenty twenty one, that's also opened an, an an opportunity, which is in in bringing the the virtual proceedings, the opportunity to to participate in Congress uh, electronically as well as in person. Um, which I think is a, a really important new development, and uh, um, and 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 one that will certainly be a first uh, a first for the Congress. In terms of um, um, anticipated outcomes, mm-hmm. what um, what we what we hope to accomplish, um, I think I think that they that those outcomes again sort of subdivide um, between the assembly and the and the and the forum, as 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 mentioned there. Um, as far as the assembly goes, um, uh, we'll see the election of a new a new IUCN council, uh, the representative body of of, of IUCN, and, and a new president, um, um, uh, chairs of IUCN's uh, independent expert commissions, um, and um, no less than twenty eight uh, regional regional councillors. Um, we'll also see a series of of, of debates on. Um, key current issues in, um, in 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 conservation policy and practice. Those are structured as as debates on on what are called motions, um, and if adopted, they form um, um, the body of of policy of IUCN as a union. They're called called resolutions in that um, uh, once once they're approved. Um, and they include not only the the the, the motion on establishing the the membership category on subnational governments that we we discussed earlier, but also a whole range of a whole range of other topics, uh, ranging from the the post twenty twenty global biodiversity framework um, through to intersections between technology and conservation around subjects like uh, synthetic biology. Um, there's also a also a category for um, um, 
um, proposal and debate of of what are called new and urgent motions, which can be proposed um, immediately in advance by, by IUCN's members, immediately in advance of the Congress. Um, and I think we can, given the the the, the exceptional circumstances that um, that that humanity, that uh, that nature, that the world have been been facing over the last uh, the last year and a half. I think we can um, anticipate that there will be there will be some some new and urgent motions uh, mm-hmm. uh, very likely focused on on the pandemic and its impacts uh, uh, coming through. Um, finally, as as regards the um, the forum part of the of the the, the Congress, um, um, I think that there's a couple of a couple of key areas where we can anticipate um, um, some 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 really quite strong outcomes. Um, some of these relate to um, um, uh, guiding and, and influencing policy in conservation and, and sustainable development. Um, I've mentioned um, mentioned in passing a couple of times the development of a, a post twenty twenty global biodiversity mm-hmm. framework, um, which is um, which is which is under discussion at the moment. Um, um, likely to be um, to, to have the, the the discussion around that advanced as an intergovernmental framework next next year in twenty twenty two. Um, and so the, the 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 outcomes from from the the World Conservation Congress will 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 certainly feed on towards that. Um, climate change clearly fundamental too, and so the the implementation of the the, the Paris Agreement will be another major uh, major major theme running running throughout the um, the the Congress uh, forum. Um, and then possibly the, the 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 most the most important one and the most uh, the most timely one uh, takes us uh, Im- immediately back to this this the key, the key theme of the the pandemic as the, the context here. Obviously, um, we've seen massive impacts of the, the the pandemic over the over the last year and a half. Um, also, maybe the opportunity for societies around around the world to 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 take a bit of a reset button to mm. to use the opportunity to of recovery from the pandemic um, um, to be implemented in a way that is more inclusive of environmental and social um, sustainability as well as economic sustainability. Right. And so, helping to helping to inform how. Um, post-pandemic recovery takes place. I, I, I would envision being an absolutely key, absolutely key outcome of uh, of the, the the Congress's forum. So interesting. I'm um, I will be uh, attending in person, assuming that that is still possible in uh, a month from now. I'm looking forward to seeing you and many others in in person at that time and uh, participating virtually, of course, with all of the other folks. Uh, there's one other thing I wanted to chat about briefly. Uh, because both our organizations are deeply involved in this as well. And this is uh, Key Biodiversity Areas, which is another uh, acronym often abbreviated as KBA. Um, And uh, I actually went to a Key Biodiversity Area in Tennessee recently uh, when I was on my Van Humboldt tour of of the United States. And uh, it was uh, it was really interesting to be there. It's a it's a it's a natural area in Tennessee, um, Frozen Head State Park. But the the concept of KBAs is really what I want to get at from you. And and why is this an important thing for for NatureServe and for the union to be working on? 
Yes, indeed. So key biodiversity areas program, um, very much another another kind of key area of intersection between between NatureServe and and, right. and IUCN. Um, so for for many decades, back into the early eighties, um, many different institutions, um, um, including um, including NatureServe and its um, its uh, four four forebearers. Um, have been have been working on um, identifying important places for nature. Um, around the year 2000, it became clear that while um, all of those efforts had been um, providing an enormous amount of benefit, um, that they were at the stage of maturity, that it would be important, that it would be valuable um, to strengthen the consistency, strengthen the comparability between all of the different approaches being adopted around the world to identify important places. And so IUCN's members um, in 2004 um, put a resolution to the 2004 World Conservation Congress um, asking for development of a global standard for identification of key biodiversity areas as, as sites contributing significantly to the global persistence of biodiversity. Um, that, um, that sounds, maybe sounds like an easy job. Um, it, it, it wasn't, it actually took 12 years to, to carry out um, um, <laughs> through a global consultation to, to agree on what the important um, criteria would look like for, um, for identifying sites contributing significantly to the global persistence of, of biodiversity. Um, and that, um, so that work, that standard was finally completed in, in, in 2016. Um, and its launch was accompanied by the establishment of a partnership, um, bringing together uh, more than a dozen organizations, including both NatureServe and IUCN, mm -hmm. um, to support its implementation. Um, but that implementation um, fundamentally um, is a process that takes place at national and sub-national levels um, through, through what are called national coordination groups or different kinds of national coordination mechanisms. Um, and so it's been, it's been incredibly exciting over the last few years to see, to see the process of, of, of formation of these kind of national coordination groups to, to implement um, identification of important uh, important sites, identification of KBAs. Um, and um, maybe in the North American context, it's particularly important to highlight Canada here. Canada really provides a, a fantastic example of this kind of this kind of KBA national coordination. Um, NatureServe Canada, I know, has played a, has played an absolutely fundamental role in that, absolutely, um, in that yes. process. Mm -hmm. I could I could really I could easily imagine um, application of the KBA standard across uh, across the USA, um, probably actually fundamentally at the state level, um, working through the Natural Heritage Network um, with uh, coordination led by NatureServe and interaction with federal and state governments and all of the other relevant uh, relevant institutions. I think that that um, I think that that would be, be be something well well achievable within within the coming uh, coming coming decade. So much uh, much look forward to seeing that pan out um, and building very much from the from the kind of um, the kind of data and efforts that are that are already available through 
Nature Serve and the Natural Heritage Network, like the like the map of map of biodiversity importance that Nature Serve has uh, has, has has been pulling together over recent years. Absolutely, and in fact, we have raised some money to support um, Nature Serve, serving as the the leader of the committee for um, KBAs in the United States. So we're excited to be starting to work on that project here, coming up soon because it's it's going to be really important um, as we venture into what we call in the United States, the uh, Restoring America the Beautiful, but the 30 by 30 program that's sort of a global effort to conserve more, more habitat. Um, we hope that KBAs will be an important part of that going forward here. Huge, huge congratulations to you. I much look forward to seeing it, uh, seeing it pan out. Thanks. Uh, so Tom, is there anything else that you wanted to uh, Talk to the audience about anything um, about the about your work or about the the union that we uh, we didn't hit on. I think we've covered the ground very well. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you being on, and I really appreciate everything you've done throughout your career. Um, I know you still have many years in front of you, um, and so I'm, I'm sort of wondering as you think about those years, what's uh, do you have an, an objective that you're trying to reach? Before you, before you say you're well, I don't know if you'll ever hang up your uh, your diploma, so to speak. But you know, what what would be your your big objective in your career? Hang, hang out my binoculars. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, no, nothing, nothing, nothing quite so, nothing quite so so specific as as that. I guess my my career objectives are really are really quite broad ones. Um, um, simply to contribute as much as I can to. Above all, to reducing species extinctions, um, um, currently accelerated by by human impacts, um, hundreds of times, maybe a thousand times faster than normal over our planet's history, um, and so to reduce uh, re those species extinctions as much as possible. Yeah, and obviously, NatureServe and the IUCN are aligned on that goal as well. Um, it's such an important thing to be thinking about, and you know, as we talk about the sixth extinction, which we do a fair amount on conservation conversations. I really appreciate you, uh, your dedication to that effort. And uh, I look forward to collaborating and working with you in the future. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for the discussion, uh, Sean. Really, really, really gratefully appreciated. Good, 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 good luck with everything and, uh, and, and all power to nature, sir. Thank all you. Right. Thanks so much, Tom. Really appreciate it.